Welcome to the Money Focus Podcast. I'm your host, Moses the Mentor. In this episode, I'm joined by Latoya Berkeley. She's the founder of Your Big Debut LLC. Latoya's dedication to empowering professionals, especially women, in achieving career clarity and boosting confidence is truly inspiring. So let's explore her journey and the impact of her work in today's episode. Appreciate you joining the show. And what I always like to start off with is to give my guests an opportunity to share their journey, uh, whether it be career or just their personal journey, and ultimately what led you to start your business, which is uh, your big debut. Yes, thank you so much. My journey. Well, first and foremost, um, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Certainly, this is a great opportunity for me to start my day, um, get into some really robust dialogue. Your big debut. Um, hi, my name is Latoya Berkeley. Go by she, her pronouns. And I am CEO of Your Big Debut LLC, which is a coaching and consulting firm specializing in helping women professionals particularly really gain clarity on their career journey and gain some confidence along the way. Those two pillars, I would say, of clarity and confidence bring their a whole host of items to workshop, explore, to expand upon in a coaching journey, or to trust me and allow me to hold space for an individual in the confidence building space where I might do a little bit more consulting and not true orthodoxy of coaching when we're thinking about things like career readiness, when we're thinking about things like transition, especially where I have individuals who are looking to take a career break or make some sort of big industry change. Those are some of the things that that we have. Really, the genesis of the business is I wanted to be able to come into the marketplace with a lot of what I didn't have within my own professional journey. And I venture to say that a lot of entrepreneurs start their why based on their own identity, their own lived experience or their own story. The opportunities that I saw in more of the industry corporate environment where executive coaching specifically, working with someone who is to be a thought partner, thought provoking and help one move in action on a specific goal or intention. I saw that assigned in the HR space to a specific demographic, a specific gender, and where I saw professional development services or executive coaching offered to, for for example, women of color, was being done in a form that was almost weaponized in the space of like, hey, you get to be assigned this, not mentor, but this professional who will help grow you, but we're growing you so that you can assimilate into this space. Or we need you to be able to hit these particular personality or interpersonal marks to cut it or to fit in in this organization or this department. Or we're about to put you on a performance plan and we're going to assign you an executive coach so you can get your stuff together. We're going to give you six to eight months. And then if between being on a PIP and working with this coach, if you don't get it, you're out. I didn't see that for the cisgender, middle-aged, white male Within the the journey itself, I wanted to create a space where women professionals could come and they could begin to design their career path based on what success meant for them, because I felt like I, I needed it. And, and that's how we get the name. I, I wanted my big debut. I had spent, I tell everyone, I have been drinking 
stale office break room coffee with an asset managed laptop, you know, maybe a parking space here and there since I was 19. And so I've seen a lot, I've done a lot and I've heard a lot. And I learned to hear what wasn't being said in the corporate spaces. And I learned to pick up on a lot of corporate code. Let me pause here and say I am not here to bash the corporate America landscape as much as I'm here to be a truth teller in why many times women are signaled to my practice. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, you definitely said a lot and we're going to dig into your company, your mission and everything like that. But also just tell us, like, where are you from? Yeah. (laughs) Thank you so much. Me, the person, the actual human. Yeah. So if you're looking at a map, born in Chicago, Illinois, left Chicago when, you know, I was still a, a baby. My father took a baseball scholarship to Arizona State University and moved his fledgling family to Phoenix, where I grew up. I was in Phoenix until high school. And then after high school, um, I moved to Atlanta, Georgia, which is where I stayed for almost a better part of 20 years and currently reside in Providence, Rhode Island. I am a New Englander transplant um, right before COVID. Whole host of reasons um, to make my move to New England. I think the the foundational reason for the move, Portuguese is my second language. And I do a lot in a, in a faith-based volunteer way and I was looking to be more incorporated into the Portuguese speaking community, which there is a a huge number up here in New England. And I think overall it was time for a change. I was also having my own career breakthroughs of was it going to be corporate forever? Did I want to get into entrepreneurship? Did I want to do both team corporate and team entrepreneurship at the same time? And just, you know, what was the life trajectory I was going through a lot of medical changes as well. And I needed to I needed to make some moves quickly as far as how I ran my day. I needed to either downshift or I needed to do a hard pivot on how I was spending my, my hours. Externally, it probably looks like I'm team extrovert. I am wildly introverted and I recharge alone. So I'm gonna be doing the things in leisure that, you know, restore my battery where I can be my best company. So you mentioned trying to figure out on whether or not you should make that hard pivot to just being a full-time entrepreneur. So talk to us about that experience of when you were wearing both hats and ultimately you decided to be a full-time entrepreneur. How did that work out? Yeah. So right around maybe 20, I think it was 2015, 2016, I took a promotion that kept me in the same corporate landscape working for a very a relatively large telecommunications company, but moved to another kind of side of the business. And it was a relief in so many ways to take this promotionary role because I was coming from a space of a very worn out like HR professional, a very small HR department. And I had learned a lot of things very early. There were some just hard truths that were coming to the surface at the time of me wanting to grow myself and then move to the next rung of my professional ladder. And so coming into this new promotionary role, I didn't have to wear all the hats at once. And I didn't have to do this thing over here over XYZ because somebody else was hired for that or we had contractors for this thing. And I didn't really know how to come into this new role and not do all the things because I felt like if I'm not doing all the things, I'm not showing my worth. 
if I'm not doing all the things they, whoever they are, are going to think that I'm an underperformer. And so I came into the space really working hard to be this utility player and feel like if I advanced in all these things, if I was smart about all these things, if I could out talk all these people in all these rooms that I would be doing, this is clear, clearly this is the path to success for me. And it was not. And it led to the the space where I was, you know, closing the laptop at five, but then meeting with coworkers for after hours or dinner where we were still talking about work and then getting home and opening the laptop and continuing to work and then getting, you know, three to four hours of sleep to get up early before an alarm and work some more and then take phone calls on the commute to work and then get to the office and work. And I did that for a, quite a while. I mean, it was like Red Bull and cold pizza for a couple mornings during the week, working on the weekends, working when I wasn't just doing other things. And my body couldn't keep up with that pace. And I needed to really evaluate, was this was this how I wanted to go into the next, you know, phase, generational phases of my life? And the answer was no. And there were a lot of, I, I say my check engine light had been on on my body for a really long time and I had ignored it. And then I got to a space where I couldn't ignore it anymore. And that made me sit up and go, okay. I pulled out a composition notebook and was like, I got to get out of here. Like I just, I had, it wasn't even just a matter of like, I have to get out of the place that I was working. I have to get off this wheel. I got to get off the hamster wheel, even if it's just for a little bit, like more than six months, like maybe even more than two years, but I've got to get off this. Um, and so I started writing really what was the, what is now the executive plan, though wildly tweaked for your big debut. I had been toying around in my mind with entrepreneurship. I had heard a lot of people talking about their side hustle and how they were, you know, they were doing their, they had their nine to five and then they had their second job. And their second job was, was what was going to, you know, quote, build their empire. And, you know, that was like the rise of grind culture and sleep is for suckers. And you, you know, if you're going to, you know, build the castles, you need to do that, you know, after you're, you know, once you get off work and it was great. And there was portions of that that worked for me. And I started to design the plan. I started to talk to a lot of people. And I think the first thing I did very well was like really increase my networking game and get a solid mentor to help me get my mind right for the idea of what does it look like to have a business in your name? And I started thinking about like, what does it mean to pay business taxes? And what does it mean to to hang a shingle and say, hey, I have this thing, come be a part of it or come let me serve you in said community. And, and that's really where that came from. Ultimately, it sounded like you did what was best for you and your health, mental and physical health. But what were some of those signs that you would say that you would want to point out for people that can help them avoid having to actually go out on leave and have those symptoms of truly being burned out? What were some of the things that you did ignore that you can say, hey, when this starts to happen, go ahead and, you know, start seeking some type of balance in your career so you don't get to the point that you ended up getting to? I'd say what comes top of mind first is that brain fatigue. Not that I'm tired, I need to take a nap or I need to like not do anything this weekend and get good sleep. The brain fatigue where it's like, I know two plus two equals four, but I just can't get past this equation. Where that brain fatigue, that mental exhaustion starts to make you bench yourself where it's like, I would love to do this. I would love to do that thing, but I don't have the mental energy. 
which quickly turned into, I don't have the mental energy because this place is draining me of it, which quickly turned into, God, is it might, if I get one more email from this person, that brain fatigue started to turn into resentment. Yeah. The resentment, the, the emails, the, even the pictures within the email, like it's hard to see in this profile pic. <laughs> I hate your face. Yes. Right. Right. So those, those things definitely are warning signs for sure. Mm-hmm. So absolutely. What, what actually can you tell us that stands out with your program versus other coaching and consulting teams? I would say definitely there's some congruency when we think about just the executive coaching and the professional coaching space as a whole. And if I could, I'd love to just make sure we have some shared language. I feel like coaching is an extremely commoditized word. There are individuals, organizations, entities that might sell or advertise coaching But what we do at Your Big Debut, when I say professional coaching, I'm thinking coaching to the orthodoxy of coaching, like the International Coaching Federation has a specific definition for coaching. And it's less around an individual being told what to do as much as it is around an individual working with a partner in a thought provoking way to facilitate growth and to evoke awareness and have you Moses, figure out your own answers that are in you versus receiving advice. And so within my practice, we really take time. I would say what sets us apart is these are coaching services that are curated to the individual and more specifically to the identity, to the lived experience and the background of the person, being able to coach the person as a whole without any sort of cookie cutter structure or having a client in session or going through a coaching engagement where they walk away being assimilated into a certain archetype that that is that is not us in any way, shape or form. Now, that doesn't mean that as a coach, I might not lend some observation But you might have a specific goal that you come into the session wanting to use your six to 12 sessions to work on an industry change or what we hear often. I want to get some clarity on what my next role is, especially when I'm working with my career driven professionals. And when I say curate, the first one or two sessions are really going to be about you, the individual. And we're going to get crystal clear on your foundation, both within your personality and interpersonally. So what are the values? What are the things that are important to you? What are the non-negotiables that are going to serve you? Obviously, I'm not the PDF coach. I don't have a bunch of pieces of paper to submit for you. However, we do a lot of skills assessments within the practice. We do a lot of workshop type activities and the strategies that we help our clients with have to do with really at the end of the day, accountability. How are you going to do what you said you were going to do? How do you want me to hold you accountable to what you said you were going to do? And how do we do that in a way that honors your identity, that honors your person, that honors your lived experience and your journey, not what I think you should be and not what you think you ought to be doing or who you ought to be. But let's get down to really the base level of who you are what's important to you, and let's design a path to move forward once you determine what action you want to make good on. We'll be back after a quick break. If you enjoy the show and would love to be a supporter, 
head to the episode description and click the link so that you can become a supporter of the show. For as low as $3 a month with no commitment and cancel any time, you can contribute to the success of the show and making sure it's sustainable for years to come. I really appreciate your support. Thank you so much. Back to the episode. So it sounds like to me, like, so if someone's just looking for like a magic light switch, then that's not the process. It's a lot of collaboration, self-discovery. People, a lot of times looks for that, that quick fix, but it's not that when you're really trying to look for like true development in your career. So correct. Mm-hmm. So what what are some key elements of professional de- development that you offer and specifically for women? Yeah. I would say the top three kind of swim lanes we play in with our women professionals, typically mid to like senior career. We work with a lot of women professionals who are looking to get into people leadership or are already a people leader who lead other people leaders. So they may not be responsible for a lot of task driven or in the weeds type stuff in air quotes. They may be responsible for strategy and vision. And in those spaces, what comes up is a lot of negotiation, a lot of prep, prep for interview, prep for performance reviews, prep for what their next act is going to be, right? Maybe not in an active job search, but if I ever have to pull out of my bag, my job search strategy, what could that be? And And I always label that as, as, you know, developing your career pivot, what that might be. You may not have to use it right away, but, you know, you got the big joker in your back pocket in the case you need to do that. And and I would say the the last would be burnout and anti-burnout tactics, working with a lot of women professionals who were like, I'm so I'm so under the water, like I, I don't even I don't know what's next. There's no more brain space. I'm tired. I'm lifeless by the time I get to this job or, or working within a specific industry or culture. And so that that's kind of where we focus. What would you say are some common challenges that people face when they're trying to gain career clarity? How do you address that? That's such a buzzword term, just clarity in general. <laughs> I'm starting to rethink, should we call it something else where I have individuals who say, gosh, I'm you know, I was signaled to your services because I'm definitely looking for some career clarity. First question I ask is, what does clarity mean to you? And oftentimes it's, oh, actually, I don't know. Or it's a, I'm, I don't know what I need to get clear on, but let me tell you what's not working anymore. I think the biggest challenge is defining what clarity means. When people see what it looks like when the smoke has cleared, the fear that kicks in. And it's not fear of failure. I actually work with a lot of professionals who have a fear of success. They, they want the bag. They want the promotion. They want to be in the new thing. They, don't, they want to get out of the medical industry and they want to go into the law field. And then once they start to take steps to do it, it's like, oh, I, I'm, I'm really doing this. Or I can, I can really do that. And that excitement sparks only more fear. And it's, oh, but then when I get here, then what? And you mean to tell me I'm going to have to be more front facing? I'm, I'm going to have to public speak or, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to get to this new level with, that I, I wasn't prepared for, but I can be prepared. No, 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 no. I'm good. Thank you. Thank you. I will stay where I am or I will curate something that is adjacent to this success that I'm really seeking at my heart 
but I may not have the wherewithal to step into. Yeah, a lot of times when people reach out to me for career advice and they want they want to know about moving up and and furthering their career, you know, I really try to get to the core of the why. Like, why do you want it? Like, are you looking to make more money? Are you looking for more responsibilities? And oftentimes I find that people really don't know. They just feel like, mm-hmm. hey, I might have been in this role for a long time. And it's just that natural progression um, might lead me to go make a step forward. But I think people need to just take a step back and really focus on the why. Because you go into a new role, it might not be as fulfilling. It might be more money, <laughs> but it might not bring you the fulfillment, the work-life balance. The team and culture may be different. So right. really get into the core of the reason why you want to actually take that next step in your career is important. So I, I think you, you have a great approach to that and a great viewpoint. Yeah, thank you for that. And how often do we hear people who they're fed up? We talk about jobs specifically, right? They're fed up in this job. So they get out there on Indeed. They hit submit to like 150 places. They interview and they land the next thing. And they get into this new place and they're excited and it's a little bit more money and it's a different environment and working with new people. But then 18 months down the road, it's like, I hate this place. Yeah, it's time for something else. And I know people who change and move consistently and that's part of their own identity, that there, there's there's a consistent itch that needs to be scratched. But to your point, the the why, the genesis behind the decision also requires an individual to sit with themselves. And I think just in our world, it's hard for people to have the conversations and have the deep dialogue with their own self first for for a whole host of reasons. But those are some of the things, the reflection is necessary before we do anything. And certainly when we're thinking about what do we want to be when we grow up or what is our next step or what is our big debut? Yeah, it requires one to actually sit down and be patient with themselves. So with your company, your big debut, how do you help them overcome you know, those barriers in their career, like the societal and self-imposed barriers. Yeah. When we start talking about like the generational, the societal or the cultural norms that may hold one back from their big debut, we set an individual up for their best success when we also help them seek mental health resources. The divorcing of the societal, generational, cultural if I didn't say it before, generational norms that might hold one back are typically deep seated. And one thing that I am not is a clinical advisor. One thing that I am not is a therapist, not trained for that in any way, shape or form. And great pairing when one is trying to jump those hurdles of the societal norms, name and ism, right? And can work with our firm to develop, let's say, a career strategy or have someone hold space for some thought-provoking growth facilitation and work with someone who can help them on the clinical side as well. I'd say that's a big piece. And then two, you know, without giving away all the secret sauce, I I would say that the, the big component when there's larger hurdles to jump that might be systemic, that might be foundational, that might not be an inside job may just be because of where one lives geographically or on this side of the earth is to help an individual understand and help them set up a plan for themselves intentionally, aspirationally, or that's goal driven that brings them back to that why we talked about, or that brings them back to those values. You develop pivot points or plans 
Or how do we help you develop a larger sense of emotional intelligence so that you can like control the clap back every time this comes up? Because culturally, this is something that is indoctrinated. This is something that is systemic. It is in the root. And you might not be able to jump this hurdle, but maybe you can go under it or you can walk around it. Or we can work on your confidence so that you have the courage to walk away from it. Makes sense. How do you help leaders serve at their higher sense of self? Yeah. Working with them in a curated format to find out who that is. Who are you as a leader when you're not overwhelmed with work? Who are you as a leader when you get eight hours of sleep? Who are you as a leader when you are hitting your caloric intake and your body is supporting your work lifestyle? Who are you when you can be more patient? Who are you when you can lean into inclusive behaviors and hold space for a person's highs and lows and be able to give both yourself grace and others grace, right? One's higher sense of self. I had the opportunity to be in community with Dr. Melvin Smith. He is an executive coach and a professor over at Case University. Him and some colleagues um, co-authored a book called Helping People Change or Coaching with Compassion kind of is the tagline with that. And he talks about often that ought, O-U-G-H-T, that ought self. Who are you when you're not living life under the guise of what you ought to be doing or what you think you ought to be? What's the truest, what's the, the truest sense of self? And it comes down to having that space for reflection, having that space of understanding what your values are, what's most important to you, and using those as tools and levers and filters to make decisions in your own leadership development. So I know that you work with a lot of women, you uh, female leader yourself. So as a man, as a person who loves women, how can I actually help support a woman in the workplace with the obstacles that they face today? What are some things that you can suggest? Thank you for asking that, number one. Number two, when I think about male support in the workplace, I think the first thing that comes to mind is if it's Toya and Moses and we are speaking, I would be asking you, what, what, are, what are the barriers that you see on my professional development path that I might not see? I don't want to use the term blinders or blind spots. That's not inclusive. But what are the areas that I have not perked up on that you might see from your vantage point where in a, let's say, a true corporate structure, you might be afforded a lot of privilege that you're not even cognizant of just based right. on your gender, right? Yeah. So how do you use, how, how, do, how do you use your, your 15,000 foot view where I might only be at 14,999? What do you foresee? And what would you suggest, right? Access is a thing. And just overall, just in the world we live in, like, believe women, Right. As a man, be able to believe women, be able to want to hear women's stories from all identities and from all lived experiences, from all backgrounds and learn, get very comfortable with listening well. I think those would be the things I'd say if you and I were just having a conversation. That makes sense. And I think any any wise man knows that it's important to keep a, a woman counsel, <laughs> you know, because they see things a whole lot differently than what guys Guys would be okay with just running into the wall until until it you know falls down. It's always going to be 
a unique, gentle touch uh, that a, that a woman can add. So, what advice would you give women looking to transition from corporate to entrepreneurship, like you did? Don't know that I would give advice, but I'd have a lot of strong questions for them to ask themselves, and we we've touched on it. Okay. Why? What's your why? Right. Your why is going to keep you in the game. I think the term is like the the bigger the why, typically the easier the how. The bigger the why, the easier the how. And your why, your genesis for the transition in this case, is going to keep you grounded when the past starts to suck, when it's hard, when you're thrown a curveball or you're T-boned and you didn't anticipate taking a hit this hard. When I think about the transition of, a structured industry job, there's going to be some sort of, you know, corporate overlay, money comes in pretty regularly. In line with the why is the what's feasible today. What can you do to take one baby step closer to that decision? And it may not be write my resignation letter today. It might be research banks that I want to open a business account with. And then after that, what's the next baby step? Go talk to a banker. And then what's the next baby step? Have the conversation with those in my household from a financial decision, right? Get crystal clear on the money. And I would highly submit for anyone who is thinking about entrepreneurship in any way, shape or form to work with someone who can work with you on your mindset, specifically around money and around you, the person, and how do you value yourself? And what are your non-negotiables? And what are your values? And what are the things that are important to you as you make this transition or you make, as you make this transition? Yeah, definitely great advice. What's been your toughest challenge or obstacle since you started your big debut? I had the honor of graduating recently in the fourth cohort of Goldman Sachs's One Million Black Women Black in Business program. And one of the things that our advisors told us at the graduation was the idea that when we think about entrepreneurship and owning business for whatever your why is, when we look at the general landscape, especially in our westernized world, you are going from gatherer in maybe a corporate, more traditional industry space to Hunter. You are going after the opportunities that will enrich and grow your business. And I'm not just talking about financially either. We think about brand development, when we think about curating a network that supports your business, when we think about defining your ideal customer type or those customer profiles, right? One is a gatherer in a corporate space and now is moving into this very Hunter going after stance. Our world has a fixation with the weaponization of productivity. And so feeling like, am I doing enough? Is this the thing I should be doing? Am I working not enough? Am I, am I working too much? And then what does it mean to work too much when one works for themselves or is looking to you know, expand or scale or leverage, right? Whatever that is, the world makes the nine to five sexy. Yeah. And those golden handcuffs, I mean, they they feel good when you in them, when it's when you're not asking as an entrepreneur, like, wonder if I'm going to get paid my bonus this year, because the question is, how have I set my business up to 
distribute bonuses or, or what is what does a promotion look like for me as an entrepreneur? What is what is my individual development path look like as a business owner versus just me working on the weekends or having sometimes the luxury of working anywhere that one has an has, you know, Internet connection. It's sexy to work in corporate America because of the perks. And when you don't feel that as a business owner, sometimes you look out the window and go, well, should I go back? And you might. And there's no shame if you do. Um, there are opportunities where business owners don't do very well financially or within their market or their brand. And so they don't try again. They close up shop. They, you know, close their LLC or, you know, they work with the legal entities to shut down their S Corp. And, you know, they're back as director of operations at whatever corporation. And that's OK. Sometimes you have to do that. But did you did you give it your college try? Was there another port of entry you could have used? Was there a collaboration that could have been done? Those are some of the hard journeys that I don't think all entrepreneurs talk about. And and that's part of the reason why, you know, I really appreciate you joining the show, because I want real stories about entrepreneurship. I want people to know that you might be leaving a nine to five to jump into a 24 seven. And like you mentioned, how much is too much when you're working on your business? And what I would say is if it's a passion of yours and you really believe in your business, I don't think it's ever too much mm-hmm. you know? um, versus when you're working on someone else's vision and someone else's passion. I do think it should be some type of stopping point. But when you're building your own and it's something that's within your purpose, you know, take the time and, and work on it. You know, so what are some things that you might have put to the side or, you know, uh, like I give you an example about me. Right. So. I love football. And <laughs> I know this Same. past season, I probably watched two games, right? And I know it kind of hurt me a little bit, but when I looked at it, it was because I was just so busy building my business and building my brand that that was something that had to be put to the back burner because honestly, it was a distraction for me at that time. Mm. So do you, do you have anything that you may have pushed it aside or maybe it got a little bit more lonely because certain friends and family can't relate to that grind that you're putting in. Can you talk a little bit about that? I will definitely say that a big sacrifice has been, I think some of just the social ambiance I've been able to have as a business that doesn't, you know, I don't have a a staff of 10 to 20 or a hundred to 150 Definitely have a team that helps me out. But for the most part, my role is CEO. And there's been times where my role has had to be business manager and it's had to be admin. And, you know, in my home office space, I've also had to be waste management. You know, whatever that is, I I think there is a social element that I've had to sacrifice at times. When I think about the ultimate sacrifices that many people make for the sake of their business to drive their purpose and your passion, your rest and your ambition they're not mutually exclusive. Both zip codes can live in the same state and one requires the other. So I, one, have the privilege to, and two, have proactively built in the things that refill my cup as part of my work. So the the games and the opportunities to still have dinner with friends, maybe they're not nearly as much as they used to be, but I consider them part of my business landscape because they take care of me, the business owner. And my business is only as good as how well I am, both physically, mentally, spiritually, and emotionally. 
Um, I make sure that there's boundaries and I may work on a Saturday, but you better believe that if I worked on a Saturday, I only worked a half a day on a Tuesday. We'll be back after a quick break. I hope you're enjoying this episode. So I'm going to keep it brief and just take a quick break to let you know about my coaching services. So whether you're looking to dive deeper into real estate investing, get a firm grip on your personal finances, or take your career to new heights, I just want to let you know I'm here to guide you every step of the way. Our one-on-one coaching sessions will be tailored just for you and truly just helping you reach your fullest potential. So when you're ready to actually take your dreams and make them a reality, schedule a coaching session with me today. Head over to MosesTheMentor.com and click on the Book Me button on the top right. You'll get right to my scheduling page and we can get you on the books. And I look forward to talking to you, man. Now back to the episode. How do you incorporate diversity, equity, and inclusion into your practice? Yeah, without hard labels of, hi, this is a DEI session. I think what we see in the marketplace when we talk about professional coaches, the overarching question is, can you coach anybody? Can you coach anyone? And what comes up for you as a coach? What what biases may you not know about? What societal, generational, cultural norms might you not have challenged ever because you've never had to hold space in this way for this particular person? So when I'm working with individuals, whoever they may be from whatever walks of life, I think step one is how do we build a stronger scale of cultural competence for you? How do you say the thing that you cannot say in these open spaces? How do we help you first develop the psychological safety to get crystal clear on your own challenges and your own biases and your own isms? So that when you get out there in the world and whether you're in the drive through at Starbucks or whether you're leading the Q4 sales reporting meeting, how are you holding space to increase your empathy, your consciousness, your compassion and your leadership drive for all identities in that room, for all voices in that room, for all backgrounds in that room? That's great. I think that's important because people want to feel valued whether it's in the the corporate world or a social setting. So, you know, Mm -hmm. the fact that you have that as a priority is something that's important. What are your future plans or goals for your company? We are looking to offer a coaching subscription. So where the services that are within our suite of business have to do with one-on-one individual coaching, we do true consulting. There's probably more coaching than anything else, but where we're either coming into organizations or working with individuals one-on-one who are not necessarily looking for a, a vault for their own personal growth, but are looking for, hi, I need these three things. We absolutely do, especially when we think about executive management, when we think about career readiness, those are consulting type services. We, we're, we're looking to add a coaching subscription and have individuals be able to kind of plug and play with your big debut in a way that is less cost prohibitive for them and design packages that can speak to more audiences. We have a lot of individuals who kind of go through the same type of skill assessments, who go through the same behavioral type assessments. We may be workshopping on a lot of the same things. I want to get even 
niche deeper into the curation of that and do so on a, a subscription basis. The other thing for 2024 that we'll be doing more of, we're going to be outside. We're going to, we've got some, we've got some events on the calendar between now and December. We'll definitely be doing a lot of virtual events, but certainly here within New England, between Rhode Island, Massachusetts, Connecticut, we've got some in-person events planned and we'll be doing more community building type activities that we didn't do within like the last two years. For your subscription model that's coming, is do you have a release date for that? We do, and stay tuned. And uh, the s- subscription model, is it self-guided or is it going to be live sessions that people would tap into? Yeah, definitely. There'll be various tiers. So, you know, for example, you know, one can come in at a, you know, gold, silver, platinum type or A, B and C type model and be able to engage with the YBD or big debut community in certain functions. And two of those tiers will have weekly, weekly, almost like focus groups, group coaching sessions. There'll also be some recorded motivational and career tip type messages from me weekly on some of those packages and at the most VIP level of those packages, individuals might not necessarily want to step into like a six, you know, six month or three month coaching package, but they may want some VIP days where they can pay a premium and spend, you know, an hour and a half, spend two hours with me, depending on location in person where we're working on something IRL or they just need that two, you know, that two hour chunk of time for us to like tear up a whiteboard together. That sounds good. So definitely keep me posted. So we'll share on my, my platform. Uh, I think that's a great approach and where you'll be able to tap into more people and also grow your business. So mm-hmm. good luck with that. Thank you so much. Um, no problem. Do you have a personal mantra or philosophy that guides your work? Yep. Your race, your pace. It is your race. Have the courage, the wherewithal, and give yourself the invitation to run it at your pace. Simple and to the point. (laughs) uh, You know, again, because success looks different for everyone and everyone has their own starting point and own end point. So just really take the time and embrace the journey. That's what Mm -hmm. I always tell people. Just embrace the journey. Even if you're in a job that you hate right now. There's something within that job transferable that you can actually use to help grow a business. So just really embrace the journey and uh, the time and you'll look back and it'll be your big debut, you know? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. So great. So that was all the questions I have. What advice or just final thoughts that you want to leave the listeners with? And also let us know how we can contact you. So give us your website and all your social media. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, com is, that's the hive, that's the hub where you can find more about me, more about our services, your big debut on Instagram and LinkedIn. Those are our two social channels. And when you are out there on yourbigdebutnow.com, go ahead and click that subscribe button and get first dibs on the our our announcement of our release date for the coaching subscription and other goodies within our practice and sign up for our newsletter. So I'll say that. And then I'm Latoya Berkeley at LinkedIn as well. Certainly follow me. I'm very judicious, my connection requests, but certainly there's a lot of good gems that I drop out there as well. I would say for 2024, 
like any other year, get crystal clear on what's serving you and what's not serving you. Have the courage, have the confidence to take your next step. And I'm not saying leap. I'm not saying jump across the canyon, but whatever that next best step is for you, take that. And if you find in the honesty of yourself, in the, in the deepest spaces in your heart, that you're afraid to do that or that it's going to come at a cost that you didn't think about, know that that's okay. Know that that's okay. And know that when you're ready for your big debut, Moses is here. I'm here. Your friends are here. There is community to support you in a world where it looks like everyone is against you or in our extremely hated, divisive world, you still have good people out there who want to see you win. Two of them are speaking right now. And so be ready, be ready to step into that next space. Yeah. Perfect way to close the show. I agree a hundred percent. It's the reason why I started this platform to give people inspiration and hope and bring people on the show, just like you, Toya. I really appreciate you taking the time. I'm going to include all your contact information in the show notes and Thank you again and for signing off. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. So Latoya, again, thank you. It was truly a pleasure learning about your passion and your dedication to career empowerment. Thank you for sharing your valuable insights with me and my audience. I know for a fact that they enjoyed it. So again, to my audience, though, before you go, Remember to visit MosesTheMentor.com for more inspiring content just like this and to make sure to go to my YouTube channel, Moses The Mentor, to stay up to date with future episodes or different videos that I post. We're going to keep pushing the boundaries of financial education and making sure that we give you great content to achieve your professional goals. So until next time, have a great day. Peace. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode of the Money Focus Podcast. And if you're a visual person, I have great news for you. You can head over to YouTube and head to my channel, Moses the Mentor, and you'll find every single episode there to watch. You can also look in the description of this video for a link. But again, you can watch this full episode on YouTube, Moses the Mentor. Check me out.